Well, swords are gay and swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay and swords are gay. It's homo superior crossing swords. We're men who like swords. Clang. <laughs> <laughs> so only one sound effect that time. I'm a little disappointed, Brent. I'm a little disappointed. Clang, move on. <laughs> Clang. It's issue 165, and we are doing Crossing Swords. We're doing chapter 17 uh, through 19 of Ten of Swords. I'm Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And we are so glad to have Brett Manes from Comic Book Queer's Legacy back as our special guest. Did I pronounce it right this time, Brett? You sure did. Thank you so much. Yay! Uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's it's going great so far. Hi, it's great to be back. We're so so yeah. ha happy to have you back. So what I'm going to do really quickly is do, I'll do a little quick little recap of what happened this week, and then Adam's going to lead us into our discussion. So we had three issues. It was Chapter 17, X Force Number 14. Writers Benjamin Percy and Jerry Dugan. Artist is Joshua Kassara. Uh, chapter 18 is Hellions number six, writer Zeb Wells, uh, artist is Carmen uh, Camaro, uh, and then chapter 19 was Cable number six, uh, writer Jerry Dugan, art Phil Noto. So previously on Ten of Swords, the champions of Krakow were selected to re retrieve swords and participate in a cross-dimensional tournament against the champions of Araco, and it was hosted by Saturnine. The tournament has started and Araco is winning five to two. And Araco just keeps winning, regardless of whether the contest involved torture, boulders, exotic food, dancing, jigsaw puzzles, MC Escher, kitten killing, rock fucking, or motherfucking walk-offs. Red Root, <laughs> uh, besides being slow AF, wins a race against Captain Avalon, and her reward is being turned into a figurine in Mad Jim Jasper's menagerie. Storm and... Death, dance again, but this time it's the Penetrada, which makes sex look like a church. It's apparent that Death hasn't read any back issues of Uncanny X-Men, because if he had, he'd know just how ruthless a depowered Aurora is with a blade. Meanwhile, the Hellions make it over to Dryador, where they encounter Tarn the Uncaring and the Locust Vile, a band of creepy-ass Iraqi mutants. We discover the true reason of the Hellions' mission— Sinister wants some genes. It's clear that the Hellions are no match for the Locust Vile, but Sinister accomplishes his mission. He gives the Iraqi genetic material to Psylocke, who with Greycrow and an injured Havoc and a gutted empath make it back to Krakoa. Shocking no one, they're betrayed by Sinister, who apparently kills them all. Of course, since they died in Krakoa, they can come back more or less normal, unlike Nanny, Orphan Maker, and Wildchild, who may have met their end in Iraqo. A recaped sinister addresses the remnants of the Quiet Council, and he urges them to blow up the external gate while finding the time to throw shade at Kate Pride's fashion choices. While pointing to Krakoa, Professor X reminds them that blowing up the gate is not a possibility. The contests continue. Cable does his best impression of Oberyn Martel and doesn't <laughs> take out uh, Bay the Blood Moon when he can and should. Point Araco, and the score is now Araco 18, Krakoa 6. Not dead, but humiliated, Cable sends a telepathic message to his parents telling them to prepare for an invasion and war, and that's war with a lowercase w, not war, the horse person. While White Sword, White Sword and Gorgon's uh, contest involves the latter having to go through the former's hundred swords, Gorgon manages to kill 13 of them, but White Sword kills Gorgon. The score is now tied 19 to 19 for some reason. And then the final contest is about to begin, which we all expected. It's Apocalypse versus Annihilation. And those were our last three issues. So I'm going to turn it over to Adam to start our discussion. Ooh, uh, Brett. What? A weeks since you've last been <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. Since we last spoke, what makes Ten of Swords the best? What There's makes a flip question too. So just stick to the best and then we'll stick to the worst. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for the instruction. Um, the best is I like stories. I like shows that stay one step ahead of you. Um, and this definitely for better or for worse uh, does that, but I think overall is it what makes it enjoyable. Um, because while it does stay one step ahead of you, it has been here and there delivering the moments that you expect uh, from the expectations that they built up. Nice. Well, what makes it the worst? Oh, what a follow up. I would say that, uh, <laughs> 
it's all over the goddamn place. <laughs> um, like it's super all over the place. And, you know, I, I guess you can argue there's a pacing issue, but I can't, I can't really tell pacing on a weekly comic. When I sit down mm. and read it all, I'll come back to you on the pacing issue in one fell swoop, I mean. Um, but here's what I think made it the worst. The unexpected elements, the mini games, as I call them. Right. They created this <laughs> sense of like, oh shit, this doesn't matter. And I think that is what could grate you while you're reading it. You're like, well, what the fuck happened? Like, are we taking this seriously or not? Um, but I think they do things later to um, kind of make up for that, particularly the data page that accounted for all of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated that taking of stock because then it said to me, it does matter. Uh, Brent. I think uh, to go off this, uh, what do the stakes matter? One thing that I was thinking about that I, I might make me enjoy some of the craziness that's going on now where it seems like literally any game could actually be played um, would be if earlier on, while they're actually doing the serious work of collecting all these swords, they were also questioning Saturnine's motivations more out loud. If there's Mm -hmm. more recognition from them early on, why the fuck are we collecting swords? We have no idea what this contest is actually supposed to be. She's a liar. Why should we trust her? Even if it was something token like that, I think it could have prepared you more for, I think what they imagine is the kind of like Marvel fun, jokey part of this series. Clark? I mean, I, I, not that I don't think it matters. I think it purposely doesn't matter. I hope it purposely doesn't matter because I think it all sticks with what Saturnine's thought process is. And I mean, I'm very happy with this just because it's not what I expected at all. Have you, did you guys ever see the show that was uh, it's called the Laugh Olympics, which is like- Oh my movies. God, yeah. yes. I love that. I've been waiting to drop Laugh Olympics. Yeah, we <laughs> thought it was going to be Mortal Kombat and it turned into Laugh Olympics. And I loved like the total cognitive dissonance that's going on right there. And it's so bizarre. And that's why I enjoy it so much. It just feels wrong, but in a way that I'm liking. Uh, Kaylin. Yeah, I uh, completely agree with Clark. Also loving uh, being a lover of Laugh Olympics when I was a kid. Um, the whole thing, Brent, you know, to the thing that you were saying about why they weren't questioning Saturnine's motivations, I don't think it mattered whether they questioned it or not. The whole point was, uh, early on, there was a debate of whether they should just blow up the external gate and just, you know, not even fuck with this. We have too many other things to worry about. And Krakoa specifically said, no, we are not doing that. You are guests on me, literally. Uh, we're keeping this open. So they absolutely had no choice but to go through the motions. And I think it completely tracks with uh, previous uh, interpretations and characterizations of Saturnine. She is kind of a trickster. She uh, does things to fuck with people. All of this could have gone away if Brian Braddock had just, you know, stuck it to her. But no, he's got to be faithful to Megan or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but okay, so just a a bit. (laughs) So you're mad about that? (laughs) Well, no, it's that, yeah, but I think it would have been instructive for the viewer and helpful for the viewer if, as a part of it, they were like, yeah, we can't trust Saturnine. She's pulled tricks on us all the time, including that as part of the conversation, not whether to participate or not. They didn't really talk about what participating would actually be like. And I think that that would have helped. Brian? I thought they did that in terms of um, in terms of Cypher. I thought that was quite a lot of talking about what this was going to be. Sorry, Ryan. That's fine. Um, she did last minute, and this was not this was not a good pivot whatsoever. But she did last minute go like, "Oh, by the way, the swords are keys." Anyway, <laughs> let's go to dinner. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that a little bit because you're like, and for a lot of them, they were not used whatsoever. Uh, but I do, I go back and forth on the pacing with this. If I like the fun ones mixed in with the very serious ones where someone actually fucking dies, like I'm, I'm very confused on how to feel about this event. But with that said, go back, going back to Brett, like I don't know what's going on. And I like that feeling, especially in an X-Men or any, basically any crossover event, because that's a rare 
saying that you can usually see the finish line pretty early on with most of these events, especially like a Marvel event that they do like every summer. So for that reason, it kind of does excite me a little bit. So if they, if they had the swords and, you know, they have the swords, uh-huh. but then they're like, by the way, every game you play, your sword has to be used. So it's like bottle opening competitions. <laughs> oh, well, and that opens up a whole new one. Yeah. The worst ways possible. So use so, your sword to play soccer. So Brent, <laughs> you really want, you really wanted the title to be literal. You wanted 10 swords and you wanted the swords all the time. This is what I'm I, getting from you. I got my swords. It's that it's like, couldn't it have just been keys like 10 of keys like what do we need there's no tarot card that says 10 of keys uh you've obviously never played a kingdom hearts game before brent because they are very (laughs) exceptional at combining swords and keys a keyblade some might say um (laughs) i don't get it yeah and you never will because you don't own a video game and you never will bitch (laughs) um i do i did kind of wanted to call out uh brent and check with you again because i I think from a kind of what everybody's saying, uh, both pacing and tone, I think are really up for grabs. We got three issues left and I wanna talk about the ones from this week, but I did wanna kind of jump in on like, what I think more than anything, and, and I kind of feel the same way as all of you do, it's like we're getting a little bit of tonal whiplash, we're getting a little bit of pacing problem. I really think it is kind of both. I think they spent an entire 12 chapters being relatively very serious about this and are now spending every other chapter kind of going back and forth. Um, I think last week in particular on this podcast, but also on the House of X podcast, I certainly did, but I think we all kind of did, took some time taking chops at uh, the Excalibur issue because it was the rapidity of the issue itself. I think there are, and, and this for this week, as we kind of go into it and talk about these, um, it was X-Force that I thought was so fat, like, the fact that they're cramming all of these mini games, and I'm calling them mini games from now on. I love that, Brett. Yay. Um, <laughs> they are cramming these all together. It it it's a, it almost would be great if they were funny, but they took longer. And I think it's the combination of joke and succinctness that is what's overly confusing when then you draw back uh, to serious issues. So let's jump into the issues this week. I want to start with Brett, and let's start taking it from the top. So let's do uh, X-Force, whatever the chapter was. Uh, 17. <laughs> Brett, what were your, your main takeaways and feelings on that issue in particular? Um, I, I loved the mixture of the longer fights and the mini games. <laughs> I thought the, um, I thought the storm versus death fight, well, just to jump to that, cause it was the most powerful part of it, yeah. uh, was exactly what we expected from the whole crossover. You like we, the, a fight we'll talk about later, the storm fight. I mean, I think that's pretty much what everyone thought Ten of Swords was going to be across the board. Yeah. And honestly, I'm glad it's not. I mean, I don't want to see the movie Gladiator ten times in a row. <laughs> um, so I really, I really liked the balance of, um, and I, I just like the the chaotic nature of things like introducing Mojo. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and most importantly, I loved the bits. I mean, we'll get into why this is my favorite mini game later, but the the Roma uh, Iliana. Uh, minigame in particular. Was, <laughs> so good, yeah. Uh, other overall thoughts from chapter 17 for everyone. So was the, was Red Root supposed to power walk? Like, is that... <laughs> it? It is a power walk. It is totally a power She's walk. like an old lady, 5 a.m. in an indoor mall. Yes. <laughs> she, yeah. Showing up to do she some and, She and Agatha just walking along. <laughs> Kayla? Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I'll let Ryan go. No, I, I really just need Saturnine to say her intentions at the end of this. If this is left with a question mark, I will be so goddamn pissed because it does feel like she's she's tampering a little bit, right? But then also <laughs> she's not tampering at all. Like, I need her to do something. Like, I just need an answer for her to just be like, well, I guess Red Root is dead now. And you're like, well, what? <laughs> That that's on Captain Avalon. What? Why is that his problem? She just wants dick so bad. I don't even know. Caitlin, what are you gonna say? Um, I'm just laughing at the image of uh, you looking at the last page where it goes the end question mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't trigger um, me. But again, it's completely Saturnine's like mo. Like she does this kind of stuff, and like the folks who are like maybe a little upset about the tonal shift it's clear like 
y'all haven't read like the original Excalibur before because that's what this is reminding me of. Yeah. It, but 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 actually written Fair. better. Uh, where like it would it would go from whimsical to absolutely deadly serious from you know from pa panel to panel, page to page, and it worked. And for me, this is mostly working. Brett. Um. Yeah, it's like you've got Jim Jaspers and the Fury. Like they, they both represent like that kookiness and that terror that Otherworld has always been like. Um, and uh, Ryan, because I totally missed, forgot my fucking point. Sorry. Because <laughs> I was so excited okay. picturing the Fury. It, as we all are. Um, uh, my only thing is like the, the tone change of like Cypher being at on Krakoa, like collecting his things, put like putting a will together. You know, like do, doing all of these things and then for not, it, he's going to, I feel like he's fine. I feel like most of the characters are going to survive. So for all of that to happen and then no stakes are really there. I mean, Cat and Britain is dead, but eh, you know what I mean? Like other than that, like, and and I, uh, Gorgon, who cares? But back to Brad. Gorgon. I remember what I was going to say, Ryan, uh, about Saturnine's motivations. I just want oh, to yeah, bring please. up at this point the the opening quote of the whole story from X-Men Creation, which is, or there's a poem in there. It's something about the turning of a wheel and how Saturnine and the Citadel is at the center of the wheel. And it's about death and destruction and rebirth and the cycle of life and all of that. So, I mean, it's clear that this is what this is. It's a wheel turn for her to kind of reshape and create the new other world, which will be filled with Betsy's. When she comes back, I will say, first issue gave us. Uh, you know, we've I've talked a lot about the deals and uh, all the secrets that you know have to be revealed. The one big one that I was more than shocked to discover is that Pog stands for sword, and that apparently your sword can be the shape of a giant six-armed alligator. <laughs> oh, that. that that was an excellent reveal. I really enjoyed it was incredible. That, that part. And, and I love and that they. Just, I love that they said. Just, no, you, let's do it one no, more time. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I love that they said that Pog your Pog was the sword and Pog your Pog was the power. And so I think we all pictured like a Groot type being at the time. Mm -hmm. But no, oh. it's because that <laughs> alligator pajamas was both. <laughs> Does this make him less interesting to anyone? Yes. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't care about you anymore. So you're just like a Lord of the Rings goblin, is what I felt. When he was pulled yeah. out, I was like, I don't care about this. I'm They're, from Florida. I like alligators. Kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, who pa cares? Pa I do Pog like how when she hits him, it says, I like how when she hits him, it says douche. <laughs> <laughs> like that, too. Literally, it says douche. <laughs> That's no, what I, I feel about him now. I, I feel like Pogger Pog, there was like marginal returns there, diminishing marginal returns there because like he was most interesting when you first saw a glimpse of him and then you saw for, you first saw him rhyming. And then after that, it's like, okay, now he's just not going to be as interesting as that anymore. So I'm okay with the reveal. It's like, he's kind of a one trick pony. I, I did really like it. I think the meme people are going to be really upset because I know everyone was finding their favorite alligator photo and putting Pogger yeah. Pog's name on it. <laughs> And it really played out. And I feel like in the future, I did like the reveal. I do feel like in the future, I'd like them to retcon, or not retcon, but just move forward and be like, now the sword suddenly has a mind of its own and also speaks like this guy anyway. <laughs> uh, Brett. Uh, so I actually have a question. Um, so there was a competition from Merlin where you have to, it's Captain Avalon in war and they have to kill a kitten. And Captain Avalon's like, no, I'm definitely going to stop this. And War is like reaching out, but Arako gets the point. Are they implying that Cat was in fact murdered? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. This <laughs> is so disappointing. Look at that face, Brent. Look at that I face. Know. That, that kitten's dead now. Did Gorgon fuck Arako? Wait, what? Mm -hmm. I, I, that I, was my I think favorite so. minigame. Wait, Kaylin, uh, what? Well, Kaylin, sorry, Brent, I'm confused. Who got the point there? Uh, Arak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was worried that you, uh, yeah. Yeah. You she have to kill the kid. But it's, she's, kitten. he's like holding her back. But she gets the point, and they don't tell you whether or not the kitten was actually murdered. Yeah. 
We, uh, I, I, th yeah. I think it's just like killing children on panel or on TV. You can't do it. So they did the same thing with a kitty cat. Yeah. I see. But let's see that sex scene with the rock in him. Yeah, I was like, Captain Avalon can murder this pussy anytime, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get to uh, some other issues, but I do think we all deserve to spend a very long while talking about how fucking amazing Storm is. So please, one by one, let's go around how great Storm was in this issue. Brett? Storm was so great in this issue. Be specific. Oh, um, the way Storm sword fought was so badass in this issue. Uh, Ryan? I uh, I appreciate how she always, at any time, when she loses her power, which is like every other week, she's always like, I don't need my powers. And you're like, you're right, I guess. I, I believe you. I don't know why you keep screaming it into the storm that you're not creating, but like, I, I appreciate it. I, li I like that a lot. Of Good finishing move, too. Whoop. I want to say what I love about Storm is I have, I've written reports, I've passed tests, but I've never sword fought blackout drunk. Uh, <laughs> and she's just incredible for it. I also am pleased that <laughs> Death revealed his face to the waiter and caused him to dissolve. You're like, <laughs> no, someone's going to hold up a mirror to that asshole's face. I'm so glad it was Storm to do it. Yeah. Kayla. Yeah, I was gonna uh, talk about that too. It's clear that uh, Storm knows her like Greek myths because she definitely pulled like a Perseus slash Medusa slash Clash of the Titans there to make it happen. Um, and it's like, it's very evocative of the Callisto Storm fight like from Uncanny number 170 something, 180 something when Storm took a depowered Mohawk Storm. Oh no, no, she didn't have the Mohawk yet. Uh, but a depowered storm ended up taking over the Morlocks. Um, and it's just like, I love, that's like my favorite storm ever. So seeing that in this yeah. issue uh, just made me incredibly happy. Clark, do you have anything nice to say about storm? I like <laughs> that whenever I kill somebody, uh -huh. I don't walk away and watch them die. <laughs> See, is it because you're feasting on the body instead yeah, of other yeah, people? Yeah, I was going to say, you're yeah, 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 yeah. You're all in somebody, there. I want to, like, savor it. She does not. She just <laughs> coolly turns away and walks off. I'm impressed with that that um, ability yeah. that she has. I can't do it. Her discipline. <laughs> yeah. Question. Did she make a little heart in the smoke through yes. which... And and we weren't there, oh. but I'm pretty sure she made a heart and then kissed it too and just went yeah. to it <laughs> as well. Style like cartoon smoke heart. Yeah. I can just say we've done this podcast for I think three years now. And you know every goddamn time Storm is on screen, I'm just waiting for a moment. This mm -hmm. is that fucking moment. I oh, was on my couch last night. And I was like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, but I agree with you, Brad. It's like, I don't want to see this for everybody all the time for all the matchups. So to have this savored for Storm, who has lacked any semblance of character development or even just cool moments over the most yeah. recent years, I am just over the moon. And like, just, I, like I don't even know if it was fully in character for him. But he's like, he's bleeding, isn't he? Have a taste. I was like, yes, bitch. <laughs> fucking eat that. Like, I've never seen a more like bitchier. I'm just, especially combined with her sword, uh, sword hunting journey issue. I'm like, this miniseries is no matter what happens in this miniseries or this uh, crossover. I am one. I am like, hey, I'll give this a hundred percent. Adam, we get it. Should we move on to Hellions? Yeah. Well, Brett, did you have anything? Else? <laughs> I just love that storm is so badass. She even tells vampires like, "You're a vampire, right?" fucking feet already like she's just on top of everything, everything. Well, just eat them man oh. <laughs> they changed her original line it's like bad yeah it's snack time right <laughs> uh, no it's when you're here your family that was her original line 
<laughs> oh no. Uh, let's move on from that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after 18, Hellions number six. Brett, thoughts? Uh, this is a masterpiece of a comic book. I, I, I don't know what else to say. This is a near Adam, Adam, end of podcast. <laughs> cut, print, perfect. This is my favorite comic book issue of the year. Be specific. <laughs> look at me, look at me. Why? Just, uh, it's so good. It's I don't so know. Good. It's so perfectly Zebby crafted. Zebby is so good. Oh, the humor, the the heartbreaking moments, the twists, the terror, just all of it was so palpable. Yeah. I, we agree. What else? What did everybody else think? Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're all just stunned. You're all stunned by I, the what? I, I will say it's it's very refreshing to this is basically not within the crossover. It's the one team that's sort of like doing whatever the fuck they want. And it is so captivating from start to finish. Every person is so defined. It, this, this writing is so, so good. I, this is probably going to go down as one of my favorite series. And we're like, what, six, seven issues into it. It is so, so, so good. I'm obsessed with the humor, the, the stakes that are there. Like everything is just on point in such a fun and entertaining way. I am so so curious if those three uh, cast members that I'm calling them cast members are dead because if they die in other world, they die in real life or whatever the, whatever the <laughs> thing goes on. But like, I want to know if they are scrambled for fucking ever. And if they're going to become different people, I worry for nanny and orphan maker, wild child, who cares? But I, I I'm very interested to know the future more than Betsy Braddock, I want to know what happens to these three characters just because Zeb Wells is such a good writer. Brent? I would say this is one of the very few times that um, telling, not showing, actually is more effective. Mm -hmm. It was so delightful to see them fight because we haven't seen them in so long. And when they, they were kind of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, they had a mission, and then they show up, they are raggedy ass. Uh, <laughs> Silk Mane is like sick and dying. Uh, Havoc has lost an eye. And there is such an exhaustion that you can feel immediately that when you read the kind of reporting about what's happened and their arguments with each other about what occurred that you didn't actually see, it's, it works so well and it feels so rich. Kaylin? Uh, last week, Adam, I think you asked like, well, what, what are the Hellions going to do? Because the contest has already started. It feels like Zeb Wells answered your question. Love mm -hmm. it. Goddamn nothing. Because that <laughs> wasn't the mission. Like, Sinister having his own mission, like, it was both surprising and non-surprising in the best way possible. Like, of course. Of course he's going to go over to uh, Arako to try to get their genetic material. Like, the man is a fiend. He can't help himself. And he's going to use his own team to do it. Uh, I thought that was such a smart swerve. And Ryan, I think to answer your question about these three, uh, whether they're dead or not, I my my guess is that Orphan Maker and Nanny are aren't dead, but I think Wild Child is. And so when he comes back, when they resurrect him with all the different ways, it's going to be like a like a bunch of different personalities because clearly. He's in that sort of alpha, like beta mentality right now uh, with Psylocke. Brett? So I'm confused. Did mm -hmm. they die in Otherworld or not? I no. like, didn't they not die in Otherworld? They died in Araco. They died in Araco, which is on the oh, other side of Otherworld. The Dryador part. It's, right? it's, yeah, but is I it Dryador or is it a, like Araco on the other side? I thought it was Araco on the other side. Good question. They got through that. Dryador, who fights in Dryador later? Someone else does, right? Um, there's a Dryador. Uh, cable. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's Cable. Yeah. So oh, I, wait. I think they're cool. I think they're fine. I think they're totally fine. Yeah, I think they died on Araco, not of the world, and they're fine. Correct. I, <laughs> they are in Araco. They're not dead. They're not. Okay. 
Uh, did anyone else want um, Nanny's like shell to be broken and then reveal like a gorgeous <laughs> woman <laughs> underneath and be like, it's, now, it's Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been fun? No. It's but actually it's just a smaller orphan maker inside. <laughs> <laughs> or just a yolk. A yolk yeah. was Yeah, that's, I thought it was actually going to be an egg. Yeah. It's a Cadbury egg, actually. It's chocolate and a yolk. Oh, All right, well, that's delicious. So my favorite of- new character is because of his name only, Amino Fetus. What a name! Why do you think he can't eat? What happens to him if he eats? Um, he he and- keeps growing. He's a baby. He keeps growing. Maybe. It's bad gas. I don't know. They are very <laughs> intent to prevent it. So we'll never know. Um, amino fetus is going to be the costume of 2021. So get your oh, totally. in now. <laughs> Brett, people on the street. People the street. Oh my God, is that amino fetus? <laughs> I mean, there, there are five of us. Can't we be locust vile for ha- uh, Halloween next Ooh. year? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be so fun. Watch out, conventions. Uh, we're coming. Who's going to be mud gear? Oh, that's what I was going to say. I feel so bad for mud gear. He's just oh, like he's a fine. Theory- no, he's literally a series of tumors. You know he's in pain all the time. <laughs> he loves it. He loves yeah, he loves tumor. Okay. Yeah. I love that amino ass amino, I mean uh, amino fetus <laughs> is jealous of Hex Butcher because Hex Butcher gets to eat all the time. Right. <laughs> oh, the backstory. Hex Butcher. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean that's gay culture if I've ever heard it. Like right? this can eat whatever she wants and she can doesn't gain a pound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did really enjoy I'm looking at the write-up of the Locust Vial. What did we think about Tarn the Uncaring and his I loved his interaction with Sinister. What did you all think? Loved. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought I I mean I thought uh they completely gave me what I needed from the character in his first panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was, he, he was kind of like sinister. He saw kindred spirit in the same way saying, I don't, I see through your bullshit and I'm just going to like, you know, call you out on it. Uh, but I do think my favorite of the locust vial is probably sick bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved like her fucking moves. It was very like, uh, the Charlie's angels movie from the yes. year 2000 <laughs> when they're fighting Crispin Glover and like, you know, oh, like, yeah, Smack was, my bitch up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted her yeah. to, to. If she cartwheels through a chained link fence, I'll be. <laughs> I, if she I doesn't would, do I them by the end of this, I'm, I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, her without thinking of the first season of um, Thirty Rock, where Emily Mortimer <laughs> plays. Um, well, gosh, Alec Baldwin's first girlfriend, and she had hollow yes. bones like a bird. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. So that's all. I just, I so when they cast her role, it has to be Emily Mortimer. I'm gonna be furious. <laughs> um, so Tarn's the uncanny about this was. Oh, good, good. My first thing about oh, it was my favorite thing was that um, I just lost his name in my head. Um, shit, I just lost Tarn. his name. Empath is just so fucking over being loved by by not scalp hunter, uh, Gray Crow. Great He's just so over Great the adoringness. Yeah. He's just fucking done with it. I do love that. He thought he was going to get some wonderful prize, and now he's just fucking sick of it. Is one of my favorite things <laughs> in this series issue. Uh, what do we think about the drama of Grifo like. Island of Sinister and Kitty? <laughs> he's throwing shade <laughs> because nobody's business. Yeah, Sinister Red Kitty. Uh, and Emma knew it was a read, yeah. and she wanted no part of it. She backed up, backed away. She did the right thing. Yeah, it, it, it. What was she gonna say? Emma's like, "You're right." <laughs> she knows one when she hears it. Yeah, reads a read. I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that's I'm working on it. Into she cable. won the mini challenge this week. Yeah, <laughs> she did great. <laughs> Library's closed. Uh, it's very emblematic. Out. It's very yeah. emblematic that Sinister thinks tassels are always a fashion improvement because Kate Pride's outfit has not gotten better. <laughs> She went uh, too pirate with it, though. Yeah. You know? This uh, reading challenge does take us directly into our final chapter, Cable. What did we think of that issue? 
Uh, I'm always going to go to our guests first. Brett, any major thoughts? Thank you. I uh, it was it was nice to have what felt like a grounded relationship moment, series of moments after all that chaos. Um, love. I, I think one of the most powerful things about the Hickman era is the Summers family dynamic. It's just so refreshing. It's just been sitting there unused this whole for so long and for them to actually use it and, and dive into these relationships and um, have them act how their relationships are defined is so great. And so if Cable calling up mommy and daddy being like, I really, I try really hard when you beat me up is wonderful. <laughs> and then that incredible an, another thing I expected to get from this crossover, this, this moment of hope, when, when all seems lost, this moment of hope, which Scott and Gene are great for. They, they're so good at providing that feeling of like, we got it, it's gonna be fine. And I liked that. And of course, the Gorgon fight. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Friends? Uh, Kaylin had his hand up first. Kaylin? Um, I, this was actually my least favorite of the issues this week. Uh, and it was still pretty good. And Brett, I agree with what you said about the the Summers family dynamic. Um, I did like, you know, Cable running back to Gene and Scott telepathically. But something just kind of felt a little off in this issue. And I think some it might be Phil Noto's art. Uh, and I love Noto normally. But this felt very rushed. Um, the art just looked a little sloppier than usual um and i think some interesting moments kind of got lost like like the gorgon fight uh like the fight between cable and, and and bay um i think just lost their power even the last panel of apocalypse um you know getting ready to fight annihilation i was like it just felt very uncanny valley it didn't feel like properly hmm. staged in my opinion uh it just i don't know there's something just a little bit off this week these are Brent. rough proportions. I'm showing the last panel, and you're exactly right, Kim. I have the same reaction. I mean, their low, their torso above is the exact same height as their torso below, which I think is not exactly body dimension. They look so short. They're little. Right. <laughs> um, so I think that this, so the Gorgon fight, the Cable fight, and the Storm fight were more what I was expecting from this series that there would be some good character interaction or some reflective um, um, sentiment after the fight. And I really like, um, as you put it, the beautifully, I'm a little baby, <laughs> I lost my arm in, in a fight. Uh, I think that was great, but I also am a little bit, <laughs> I like the Gorgon fight and that he's like, he dies, but I do think it's so weird that Saturnine is just like, yeah, it's a fight to the death, but who cares what death means anymore? It's scene uh, of the, you know, the white sword who's killed, even though he's still fucking there. It's just so, it's just so arbitrary. I don't understand the point system. It, it's, it's, it's like, why care? Why, and why, why do Annihilation and Apocalypse go, oh, the score is 1919? Now it's our turn. <laughs> I would indicate that to you from the way these things are scored. Right. Uh, Clark. I do want to say good job to the guy that he thought wasn't going to be important and isn't important and is now dead, um, Gorgon, for getting <laughs> them tied up again. She did say to the death. We know to the death from the last time we had the to the death with the person who actually dies, but she solely switched it this time. But he does kill, what, 13 people and ties the shit up? So fuck all you other people. He did more than anyone else did. True. That's what I liked about this series. Oh, the other question, I, I mean, comment, I did not care for the art either, especially during the, the fight between Bay and Cable. It literally looks like his face is peeling off. He's supposed to be like in mud, but it literally you don't know what his actual skin tone is. So you're not sure if his skin is slopping off or if there's like clay on it or what. It looks like a fucking, it's just a mess right there. I did not love that. But I did like the fact that Gorgon got to murder a lot of people. <laughs> Ryan. That is how he probably wanted to die. So I do appreciate that. But uh, with that said, a lot a lot of pushback online about how Cable was acting in this issue, just being like, oh, what my mom and dad, my mom and dad. You, 
I, I want to say, I think this makes sense for the first time ever. We just know the Harbin's crazy cable that hasn't met his parents for like many, many years was in an alternate future. So like, I enjoy this cable right now because this is, if a cable was raised sort of in this era with his parents actually around, I, I enjoy seeing that a little bit more. Uh, I, I think it makes a little bit more sense for the story. And I think with that in there, it made the cable as a solo issue series move forward in such a nice way. Mm-hmm. I feel I, I do. I like Gorgon now though, too. I kind of like, I, I was not expecting that, but I, 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 I think that technicality of him murdering fucking a million people at the end, just to get the points to even was so stupid, but I, it, it made me giggle. So I, so I did enjoy it. Brent, can we talk about how, um, Im- important the cipher bay marriage was and how mm-hmm. in most relationships when you don't know a person really well and then you want to get over your differences getting a puppy or having a child or having yeah. a marriage is a patch to fix something but they seem to have really worked out a system here they really trust and respect each other and i kind of admire that i mean they had that dance battle in the previous issue that she ended up winning. So, she, you know, he had to help her out in this case. They're she like, they have a relationship for three months and then it like actually works out. Brett, Brett and uh, Brent, as the two married people in the group, can I ask, is this similar to what a, re- a marriage is like? <laughs> there was more bloodshed in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking two completely different languages and not being well understand each other, but that's the draw. <laughs> that's absolutely what marriage is like. Uh, there is a wonderful battle log at the end of Cable, which I think, like you mentioned, Brett, really helps to kind of wrap up all the insanity we probably saw in X-Force and Excalibur, which is where many of these competitions took place very rapidly. Um, did any of them like stand out to you after being, because I, I was like, I, I think what I found really interesting was the, it was the one where they were like, had to go, oh, the contest of boulders, which I thought was... No, that was the boulder one. I was thinking of the one where yeah. Gorgon fucked a rock. And I, like, <laughs> I was, that, besides Gorgon losing, I couldn't place that one. Who else was in there? Yeah, which one was the one where he fucked a rock? I think it was Resist Temptation number 20. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. He, he See, lost. I was and a little bit annoyed not. because they had the number 18 was the contest of letters. Like, bitch, it's called a spelling bee. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so pretentious. I think uh, um, I was, I liked that there was one where they were just like pointing at planets. Yeah. And then in the data page, it said light spoke navigation. That to me was the most interesting. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was the goal. I had no idea. I thought they were fighting in there. It was interesting. So, I, looking, oh, sorry, Adam. No, 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 go back. I was going to say, uh, looking back on one of them, um, I didn't realize that uh, the death versus storm battle was called drawing first blood. I mean, it, it really did seem like death was kind of dead, uh, given that he was ripped limb from limb. But is there any chance? They don't show in, in the page you know, they, where they show everybody who's going to be in the issue. He does not have an X over him. Yeah. Uh, OK. Hmm. I, I was trying to figure that, that out. That might be a mistake, or he is, in fact, alive still somehow. He is dead, and, so and, you know. And Pog still looks like old Pog with alligator skin all over in the him. boulders. Oh, he just has to get back yeah. in his little suit. Keep that up. <laughs> yeah. I do want to point out, speaking of mistakes, though, there's a ton of fucking typos on the dead page at the end. <laughs> like, like, come on. You typos? Like, and there's a lot of them. Typos. There? Uh, there's like endurance with no N is somewhere. There's it's in that data page no, uh, with all of the endurance. Yeah, with all of the there's something else too on that same page. I just, endurance twice. I just Brett, do you do you, Brett? Do you think that's maybe the Araco spelling of it or something? Yes, yeah. you're right. You're a genius. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. So I have a question for y'all. What was your favorite mini game, mini contest? I just said the, the the boulder fucking or the the rock fucking. Fuck <laughs> uh, That goes, Brett. Or what about you? Killing. Uh, oh, the the bit that it's spelled magic is spelled with a K because that's how she thought you spell magic is 
the best thing. That's the best thing ever written. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ryan, what about you? Um, I I enjoyed uh, the eating contest. It made no sense. I was like, oh, why yeah. are you adding fear factor into this? Too spicy. But did you like yeah. that red root <laughs> just made it all decay and then sucked it all up? I found that, that was a cool, fun yeah. way to win it. I think mine was probably the uh, rumination adherence. Um, it, um, to me, I liked how well it showed uh, those two characters who have caused a lot of suffering and death and what makes them fundamentally different. I think that if you had that as like, it, that as a small, as a little, you know, Mario Party game, I thought was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, I thought it was the wedding that's the best Marty, Mario Party game. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Oh, okay, Kim. I think, yeah, I think mine was the uh, contest of couture because my <laughs> favorite season of my favorite reality show is season two of Project Runway. And when they do It's a Motherfucking Walk Off, uh, that's exactly <laughs> what this reminded me of. And I was like, he's writing to gay men, and I love it. Or they're and they used to gay more men. swords in that than they did in this. <laughs> oh, very true. Brett? Speaking of walking, other mini games I really enjoyed are the ones where Red Root wins because she literally says, I've never won anything in my life before and I've never felt more connected to a villain in a comic book in all my life. She seems to be coming alive in this contest where she's, while she's doing her slow ass walk, she's like, I feel the breeze in my leaves. I've never felt so alive before. And then she wins something for the first time. She is, she must be ecstatic. She must be so filled with joy. And I am thrilled for her. I, I think that's a great- a Fucking glass dome shoved on her. <laughs> yeah, now she's trapped forever. She died happy. <laughs> Uh, it is. I, it's actually funny. Her characterizations from all these mini games plus uh, X Force only makes it more like annoying that in the Excalibur issue she like demanded uh, Betsy's head. Like she yeah. doesn't give a fuck about that. She's too busy trying to enjoy life. Let her. She's like a. She's a like a rom com corsay. Uh, she was, she was just really learning to love. And she said, "Send me Betsy's head." I don't know. I didn't hear any of that. I said she got too excited in the moment and wished for her her head. Um, I I do think overall the the series is certainly painting the Iraqi as far, like I think one of the benefits of making it more wild than a sword fight is it's painting the Iraqis to be far more interesting and multidimensional. So it's fun to see them in these games while also in these hard tournaments. We are actually coming towards the end of our podcast. Is there anything Big point that people want to bring up before we get to our shining sword moment of the week. Great. Well, starting with Brett, what is your shining sword moment of the week? Uh, I'm gonna say it is, I'm gonna say it's the Scott and Jean kiss because to me a shining sword moment is a moment of hope. It's a moment of rousing. Uh, Your spirits are uplifted and when Scott got mad and Gene made him feel better and they decided that they're gonna go and do stuff, I was like, yes, there's nothing like Scott and Gene coming over the horizon and I'm here for it. I'm I'm gonna piggyback on that in terms of the the same feeling, the same way he's talking about, I felt the same way about Orphan Maker saying, eat poop, mean lady. (laughs) (laughs) Really, my heartstrings were tugged. And I just felt like it was such a magical moment and it blew me away. <laughs> Who else has got one, Ryan? Uh, I really, I really, it, they were down and out for so long. So seeing the fight with Gorgon and Gorgon actually becoming someone that I kind of liked at the end, it, it was just kind of, and the sort of the Kill Bill style of him just being like, uh, just like <laughs> going ham on all of them. I, I thought that was really cool to bring it to, it was a good penultimate issue to the last, what I'm thinking is the last sort of uh, game or competition that they're going to do. So I, I enjoyed the, the, the finishing note of that. I like that. Kalen. Um, I'm probably going to steal yours, Adam, but it definitely is towards the end of the storm death fight when she just goes, he's bleeding, isn't he? Well, feast. I'm like, <laughs> 
<laughs> this I have not seen this badass of a storm in I can't tell you how long, and it just gave me chills. Uh, I fucking loved it. Caitlin, how dare you? Mine was gonna be I have three words. It's have a taste, but I agree with you. That last panel is everything. Brent, I think uh, it, my shining sword moment is actually just kind of like several generally, which is the backgrounds. I think that seeing the other worlds in this issue, um, these issues was very enjoyable. Seeing Araco, seeing the Crooked Market, and I think my favorite was Sevalith, and getting this kind of like really clear picture of what these places are like and how they are kind of a character in the story themselves. Um, I think it, it made it feel like I understand how there's this kind of mirror between the... Araco and Krakoa on a granular level and how Otherworld is so varied. Clark? Um, I'm, I love all these worlds as well and I want to see them followed up on but then I realized you know where we're going to see them followed up on? Fucking yep. Excalibur. Excalibur. <laughs> make all these interesting concepts awful and boring and poorly <laughs> written. I'm excited. Monkey's paw, Clark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, so next week's issues are X-Men number 15, Excalibur number 15, and Ten of Swords Destruction. Uh, but we will actually be off for Thanksgiving, so, but we'll be recapping those the following week with our very special guest and returning guest, Dylan, from House of X. But he doesn't fucking matter this week. What matters is Brett. Brett, let listeners oh. know where they can find you. Um, you can find Comic Book Queer's Legacy anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, we are on Twitter at Comic Book Queers. We're on Instagram at Comic Book Queers. Fun. Brent, where can people find us? They can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, Twitter at Homo Superior X, and they can check out the only Krakoan morning talk show, <laughs> Kiana Talking Swords which comes out usually every Tuesday on Instagram. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. Uh, and Thank we'll you. see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.